0: Hello, Scribes and Scribblers. Welcome to the Nib Section, the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. I'm Tavit Sananian, and my co-hosts for today are Sharon Tsar and Diana Dye.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: So, how are we we all going today? It's a bit early today.
1: It's an early Saturday morning. It's an
0: early start. And yet we still have champagne. (laughs) (laughs) Sharon
1: offered,
2: and we
0: can't say no. Who are we to say no?
2: No, I, I offered tea. Or sparkling water. And, and you guys went with the champagne
0: option. Well, no, no. You said tea or sparkling water. And then there was a pause. And then you said, or champagne. I'm
2: champagne, though, is what mm. you said.
1: Mm. So we didn't want you to feel left out.
2: I never feel left out
0: while <laughs> drinking champagne.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: we're having a very nutritious breakfast of uh, sparkling rosé and Himalayan pink salt kettle chips. Listeners, this is our second last our penultimate (laughs) 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 our penultimate episode of the year and before our end of year q a episode we thought we'd just touch on something that's a little you know light to discuss that's quite nostalgic um um, so nothing too heavy after a bunch of reviews
2: but nothing too heavy i mean the show notes actually say, discussion, re-time and change. If that's not very deep and philosophical and heavy, I don't know what your definition mm. might be. Well, you were the one who suggested this topic, so I don't know who you're blaming. I wasn't going to call it the discussion regarding time and change. Mm,
0: very pensive. <laughs> yeah,
2: it is. Oh, pensive. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, we're
2: full of puns
1: today. <laughs> So, before we get into our main topic, which is, as Sharon said, talking about change and how we reflect on that, Um, before we talk about that, let's go over what we're writing with today. Sharon, what Mm -hmm. are you writing
2: with? I am writing with um, something, and it shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone by now, that I'm a big fan of Japanese pens, but I've been using almost exclusively for the past couple of weeks... um, the Estabrook and the Faber-Castell Hexo that I was testing. So for almost a month, I had not been using a Japanese pen on the daily. So I decided this time around, since I had a bit of freedom to choose what I wanted to ink up, um, I have whipped out an old faithful, <laughs> um, which is the Pilot Falcon in just plain black resin rhodium trim with a soft medium nib. And... I picked this pen up actually on a real whim because I own, I own the Falcon in the metallic red as well in a soft fine nib, but um, I f- I wanted something that I could use every single day with a bit more character in. Um, which would add a bit more character into my writing. So I picked up this uh, the Falcon in a soft medium and in the resin finish because it's just better for uh, day-to-day writing and it's lighter, it's much easier. You get less uh, hand fatigue while writing with it. Um, And the soft medium nib is very, very forgiving, like extremely forgiving. It is um, very cushiony. It's like a little hug in a pen if I can put it that way. And I've currently got it inked with Sailor Sakura Mori. So it is an almost illegible pink. So, Tav, what are you writing
0: with today? I'm writing with um, a Magna Carta pen. Uh, it's, a, it's an Indian brand. They're I believe they're handmade in India. It looks like it's made out of um, turned resin or turned acrylic. Um, I can't remember the actual model name, um, but it, I think it's called Wave or something like that, or Blue Wave. That looks
1: so much like my Pen BBS in that same resin, I well, swear to it God. it
0: definitely is not a Pen BBS. They're definitely made in India, and it feels different to a Pen BBS. Like, the fit and finish, it seems much more precise. Can I touch um, it? <laughs> Can I yeah, touch it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's got a bock, uh, either a medium or a broad. It's not actually marked uh, steel nib. Works really lovely. Um, received it in great, Like like... Um, the nib worked perfectly straight out of the box, which was really good. Um, this particular brand also makes pens out of casein too, which is really cool. Um, I was going to get one of those, but they're about twice the price. So it's like, okay. Um, and in it, I, I have it inked with Colorverse quasar. I think it's like a nice Royal purple. Um, I like the pen. It feels nice. Uh, it, It works beautifully. The only thing that I don't really like about it is that, the cap doesn't seal perfectly, so I kind of have to dip it in water a little bit, just because it dries out after a couple of weeks. But you know, you don't
1: do like you don't just like lick it. <laughs> that's what Sorry, I do. that's what I do with it, and that's not working because it's been dried out. Oh well, I lick it.
0: <laughs> oh, oh no, uh, the reason I dip it in water is because it like ends up like super concentrated and it smears everywhere.
1: That's why I get a I get a coloured patch you get on my tongue. Like a blue tongue.
0: tongue. <laughs> blue tongue. Mm, yum. <laughs>
1: well usually it's red tongue because it because it happens with the pens that I have inked with orange and red uh, ink. Because I don't use them as often. Okay. And then I That's get a patch. Such... <laughs> That's what happens. Um, what I'm writing with well, like Sharon, I was in the situation where I was I was testing a pen that I was going to review. So I've been writing with the Esther Put Camden and the Fabricastel Hexo for the last couple of weeks. And um, now that those reviews are finished, I was back to my regular day-to-day rider, which is my VP with a fine nib. And it's inked with Sailor uh, Sailor Blue. So, just the regular Sailor Blue, not from the any of the seasonal ranges or Great whatever. colour. It's a lovely Classic. colour. Right Sheens colour. beautifully. It. It's like a really nice, rich, dark blue.
0: It dries nice and quickly too.
1: I have several VPs that I rotate because um, like when I clean one out, I, I swap it for another one. And this is one of the ones I usually come back to. It's the Minamo Raden, the waterline. It has these lovely lines of raden running down this black surface. And um, I inked this one because we're going to talk about it later on in the um, discussion about time. So Ooh. we're just preempting that. <laughs> Um, we have several things that we need to, n- not correct, but um, provide more information about from, clarity, so like follow-ups from previous episodes that we need to, well, to cross off before we get into the topic. So the first thing is, we are really happy to announce that for Christmas, we'll be running a giveaway. There'll be two separate giveaways, so not as to disadvantage our international listeners. There'll be... One that is for Australians and international residents that will be hosted on our Instagram, which is at the Nib section. And there will be a separate giveaway, which is limited to Australian residents, that will be run on the Facebook group, Fountain Pens Oceania. So, um, Sharon, do you have some details about those?
2: Uh, Yes. Further details will be available in the posts uh, on both Facebook as well as Instagram, but uh, The two packs include um, pens and inks provided to us by Faber-Castell Australia, as well as Kenro Industries. So on our Instagram, for all international listeners, we will be giving away the Estabrook Sparkle, um, SD Sparkle in the Tanzanite that I had tested in the last episode Um, since on that particular test, we uh, we have taken a few tools to the nib to improve its performance. Um, so it comes with the extra fine nib that has now been slightly worked on by myself, and Tav has given me his nod of okay that it is good to go. <laughs> oh, it's,
0: it's, it, it writes really well now. It remind, like I, I said earlier, it, it reminds me of um, a Sailor extra fine although not quite as fine. It uh, kind of has a little yeah. bit of that, that feedback now.
2: I, I think it reminds me very much of a Pilot fine nib, mm. Pilot stainless steel fine nib. So it is yeah. quite fine. Um, so it's the Esterbrook SD Sparkle in the Tanzanite finish with an extra fine nib. Um, it will also come with two packs of uh, cartridges from uh, Graf von Faber Castell, which fit in the pen you know, happy coincidence, and uh, I've, uh, to make the entire package complete, I've tossed in a pad of the G. Lalo Verbe, Verge, Verve de France, this is going to be embarrassing, this, this is, um, oh no, I've, I've, I've now covered up, Verge de France, Verge, well there's a, a cute, uh, accent on the e, so I'm assuming it's Verger de France. Um, great paper, great writing paper. It is a, it's a, it's a lovely ivory-colored paper which um, I really quite like. So I've tossed in uh, one of those for the Instagram giveaway. So likewise on the Facebook page on Fountain Pens Oceania, we will be giving away the Faber-Castell Hexo in black with a fine nib. So, it's the fine nib
1: that we were given, but it's been – well, because it came with some issues, it's been ground down to what I would say is more like a European extra fine. And that work was done by – That work was done by by Tav. Tav. So, thanks, Tav.
0: So, do you find it's more of a European extra fine? I I found it seemed kind of European fine to me. what,
1: What Tav did with the fine nib on the pen was he increased the flow, and so he made it a lot wetter. And he ground down the, um, the uneven patches. Yeah, so now it of, writes It was smoothly. a
0: little uneven, but I also um, just aligned it a bit better.
1: So now it works fine,
0: just to... Ah. <laughs> ah. Just to
1: ah. Ah.
0: <laughs>
1: it's a fine word no, that I, works I, fine. I
0: personally feel it, it writes like a European fine, but that's just my like, subjective yeah. opinion. Now
1: it writes like a wet European fine. Yeah, yeah. Which is it's very nice. It's a very
0: accessible pen, even for a first-time user. You know, it's not scratchy or dry like it was before.
1: So that's. But cool. what, what you realise now is that now we've worked on both these nibs, that we're putting our names down the line if someone has a problem <laughs> with those <laughs> nibs. They'll be like, you promised a nib that road right, and it doesn't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it, it works as best as we can get yes, them that's to work. And we, we reckon they're, they're fine. We reckon they're, um, they're all working quite well. Uh, the Estabrook SD probably is a, a go at it with a light touch. Go at it with a light touch and you will find the sweet spot. So on the Facebook giveaway, it comes with the Graphon Faber-Castell Hexo in the black. And uh, it also comes with Graphon Faber-Castell cartridges and the same Verge de Fonce, uh writing paper.
1: And um, both those giveaways, uh, they were posted or they will be posted and made public on Sunday, the 6th of December. And the giveaways to enter, um, you have to enter by Sunday, the 13th Australian time. Check the pages for details. I don't have the, the rules in front of me right now. But basically to enter, you have to use a specific tag on a post or a comment to each giveaway. Read the rules for uh, the two separate giveaways carefully because there's a little bit of difference, and follow them if you don't want to be disappointed.
2: And thank you for a really great year. They say thanks for listening, thanks for supporting us. And this is um, our little way of showing our appreciation and giving back to all of the listeners who have put up with our seven month hiatus this year. <laughs> oops, <laughs> oops.
0: Yeah, I can imagine it, it, you know, having seen like some of my favorite podcasts go on hiatus too. It's like kind of start getting withdrawals.
1: Well, and also thank you, Asterbrook and Faber Castell, for um, entrusting us with things to review, and also providing us with the things that we're now going to be giving away. So the giveaways, just to be clear, are not actually sponsored by Asterbrook and Grafo Faber Castell. I think we have to say that as a disclaimer.
0: Yeah, we're just yeah paying it. We're paying it forward. Yeah, we're yeah. paying yeah. it forward.
1: Um, the second item that we have to discuss, Tav. You have an update on what happened with your Esterbrook J R, yes. the one, the pen that you reviewed last. Yes,
0: episode. so it works now, but not because not not. It worked well, last time. Well, technically, it worked. Um, yeah, some ink would come out, but not very much, um, and also not if you left it capped for like three days.
1: But the key thing is that you figured but out exactly now, what was wrong.
0: So I figured out what was wrong. The issue was actually in the design of the feeder casing. Um, I don't
1: think it's a design issue. I think it's a production issue because we looked at similar nib feeds and it didn't have this problem. So, what is the problem?
0: So, it's kind of hard to explain, but the...
1: Can I do my best to explain it?
0: Yeah, actually, yeah.
1: So I had a look at the nib unit that was in Tab's JR pocket pen. The, the writing experience that he was reporting from it, if you'll remember, is that it was very dry and very sandpapery, basically. Not smooth. It's like it hadn't been ground, um, hadn't been smoothed at all. And looking at the nib, the nib doesn't look like it has the problem. The problem was actually in the very base of the... Collar and the feed unit, so it's the section that is supposed to be in contact with the converter or the uh, the cartridge. And there was a flaw in the actual manufacture of the um, the extension that connects the feed with the cartridge or converter in such a way that basically those two things, capillary action, wasn't working between the ink cartridge and the feed. Yeah, there was basically
0: common? some dead volume between the ink surface and the entry to the feed. So I had to file down part of the feeder casing such that there was no longer any dead volume and the feed could come into direct contact with the ink.
1: And the reason I say this, it doesn't look like it's a design issue, but a manufacturing issue is that because we compared it with um, similar number five bock nib feeds it was yovo they're both yovo yeah um we compared it with similar yovo feeds um on opus 88s and the working opus 88 nibs did not have this you know um this dead space
0: yeah there was there was a cutaway on the on the opus 88 ones that it almost looked like there was an attempt to make that cutaway but it's like it hadn't completely molded correctly so there was no cutaway
1: not a flaw that I've personally experienced before, but then I probably wouldn't have thought to check that particular part of the pen.
0: Yeah. I've had it happen once before in one of my uh, Bexley pens and I was able to, to sort of make that little cut away myself too. Um, He's licking
1: yeah. my toes. So
0: it now works. <laughs> and also, also I, I smoothed out the nib tipping as well, cause that was quite rough. Mm. Um, but it works pretty well now. It's not, not, not a really wet pen, but it's, you know, Middle it keeps of the road. Yeah, it now. actually writes as I would expect now, not extremely dry. So it's middle of the road, not wet, not dry. You know, like, what was it that like, like peanut butter? Never oily, never dry, you know, right in the middle. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Yeah, so that's our follow up on the review of the Esterbrook JR. And that's a pen that we'll probably be putting up for a giveaway in um, Fountain Pens Oceania in the new year. So look out for that once we actually work out what we're doing in the new year and whether or not we'll actually be able to meet in person in 2021. Fingers crossed, though. Fingers crossed. Yeah, right now I think we're allowed to gather in
2: larger groups. You're allowed on the dance floor. 50 people are allowed on the dance floor in Sydney. I also saw that in New South Wales now, you're allowed to have 50 people in your home. I know. Like, who has 50 people? I mean, Imagine having fifty room. people into my tiny little apartment.
0: I mean, you'd be like sardines. I think you just mm. have to <gasps> suck it in. Mm. But okay, so so you're allowed fifty people on the dance floor. Does this mean the announcement of our first ever FPO rave? Because oh, <laughs> that, that's very old. big news. I
1: am too old for that shit. <laughs> oh come on, age
0: is just a number.
1: Uh, I don't think I was raving um, when I was like twenty four
0: either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so first ever FPO official (laughs) rave, pen rave. A
1: a sitting down rave. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Okay. Um, The other piece of news, um, this is something that I I chanced upon when I was listening to the latest episode of The Pen Addict. So I think it's episode 439. So Brad and Mike, they mentioned a Twitter that was from Sailor Japan and they were announcing a special event at the Stationery Girls Festival in Tokyo for this year and what they were doing at the special event for Sailor was they were allowing attendees at the Stationery Festival to basically create their own individualized Prophet Junior from Sailor and um, this thing this was like a, a very complicated process from the tweet it looked like you needed to basically make a choice on uh, six different components of the pen you know from the lid the finial the little buttons on the top and the bottoms of the pens and the color of the trim and so on so there were a lot of choices that you could make to make your own very unique Profit Junior and they would have spare parts in all sorts of colors that you could select from to design your own Profit Junior So Brad and Mike, I think what they came down on was the verdict that while it's fun for a special event, this is not something that is either, you know, sustainable financially or maybe even desirable for a company of Shaler scale in the long term. Um, And (laughs) I thought it was quite funny because Mike was saying that um, he was, I think, quoting... uh, So he was quoting Steve Jobs, who said that uh, the customer doesn't know what they want. They need to be shown what they want. (laughs) And I thought this was a slight disservice to um, customer and especially customers who have very particularly strong tastes and um, design backgrounds, for example, who I think would be quite concentrated in stationary um, loving circles. And I thought I'd toss this idea, especially to Sharon, (laughs) Who's made like several custom pens before? Like, how do you feel about the idea of being able to completely model your own Sailor Profit or Sailor Pro Gear um, using lots of colours? Do you think that's something that um a company of Sailor's size should do in the long term? And if they did do it in the long term, how would they do
2: it? So I, I don't know not to fall into the uh, Steve Jobs mania. I am of the belief that customers don't always know what they want. (laughs) Um, And I think this is particularly the case for myself because I don't consider myself an overly creative person when it comes to designing uh, items. I will see something and I have a particular aesthetic where I see something and I really like it. But if you had asked me to come up with it myself, I wouldn't have been able to do that. So um, from my perspective, I think it offers a lot of flexibility, but I think there is not as much instant appeal to it as you would get if you had something that was pre-made. And I think there's a very good example of this very recently. Um, and, you know, I hate to promote them, but a certain um, wanker uh, uh they very diplomatic.
0: I love the pause for like, hmm, what's the most diplomatic term I can use for this person? Wanker.
2: No, it's just whether or not you pronounce the C-H. I'm not sure.
0: Oh, so okay. it's either
2: wancher or wanker. So it's one or the oh. other. But they have... Uh, recently, set up an Instagram which we will not be plugging, um, an Instagram where they've taken their former special edition sailors, mixed and matched the bits and pieces of it, and made new "quote unquote" special editions from their existing um, mm. uh, uh, sailors. So, as an example, they would have had an additional sail. Uh, they would have had an original edition sailor that was all turquoise. And then they, um, they had another edition, sailor edition, which was all kind of like coral, transparent coral. And then they took the ends of the transparent coral and chucked it onto the turquoise and called it the special edition watermelon. <laughs> watermelon. <laughs> and then they posted it on Instagram and lo and behold, watch the people clamor towards it. And yeah. that is... I there think, is a market. There it, is a market for it of yeah. people telling you this is what you want. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm reminded of um, that Simpsons episode where like Malibu Stacy comes up with a new hat and everyone it's just loses hat. their mind. But she's got a new hat. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's kind of like that in some, yeah. in some ways.
2: But like I-, I saw from that particular tactic now. I did not approve of it. I had a laugh about it um, behind the scenes but I did see their reaction to that particular post and well this whole series of posts they had the watermelon the strawberries and cream the blah, 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 blah and the blah, 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 blah They had they have a lot of special editions which they've just now Frankenpen together and all of a sudden you get a whole new market for people who just go "well I would have never thought of that color combination but it looks pretty great to me I want that I want that special edition" and all of a sudden you've revived a whole you've revived dead stock. a whole yeah a bunch of dead stock into new desirable quote unquote special edition very limited stock items
0: I will admit I can be Tempted by those um, sailor special editions, just because I'm like, oh, it's really colourful. Um, that being said, if it's like a particular, if you had to do
2: DIY it yourself. Um, you, w- you wouldn't have that in that feel because you'd have all the colours in front of you, and you kind of go, yeah, they all look pretty great. T-
0: to be honest, what I would do is, uh, if there's six options, like if there's six parts, I would make a rainbow pen. Like I'd just be like, oh, what is the most garish and tacky combination of colors like for me this is a very personal thing i would be like okay sailor would never release something this tacky so i'm gonna do it get a clear pen
2: (laughs) get one of the sailor uh, converters and paint it so here's my proposal
1: on how to make this work every year or every half a year sailor released a palette a seasonal palette of, you know, five, six colors, or maybe less. You know, Lamy Safari Candy only had three colors, um, the Violet, Aquamarine, and Mango, and that worked for them. So just a limited palette of colors. In each color, you produced, a, you know, a limited number of those parts as a component for a pen. And you, you select colors based on their coherence and how well they work together. Because I was inspired by um, mostly like fashion seasons where they have very cohesive palettes and those pieces of ready to wear are like made to work together. So if you start off with a limited number of choices and you know that those choices work together in a pen and you give that to your customers, I think that would like sell like hotcakes you have like a steel gray in one season and at the same time you have like a light violet and a mustard or something like that and you can have a whole pen in that color or you can like select the accents that you want so what you're doing is you're providing options and you have that exclusivity of it being special and limited and singular to you but you're also limiting those options in a way that so that the customer will be satisfied with them and I think that's a that would
0: work. Oh, I think I think that's a fantastic idea, but maybe I'm going to go against the grain here. And I think – and saying that I think that that – at a festival, having a little, you know, build your own pen thing, I think that's really nice. Like, I'd, I'd find that – Oh, for if, sure. Like, I, as a I, one-off. Yeah. I, I think um, – especially for, like, kids. I could see it, you know, taking a kid – to a stationary festival and kind of penabling them by being like, okay, what colours do you want? And the kids can be like, I want this and this and this, and it's this garish, horrible thing, but they would love it. And like I said, I would probably make something garish and tacky, but I would love it because it, it's me. I made it, you know, or I I, des- I picked the colours. Even though I'm terrible at designing, it's like, yeah, but I, I designed it. It's something very personal, you know, or like, oh, I've always wanted to... You, maybe you can design it after... Something colourful you know you like to wear Or something like that Or I don't know, Sharon's Sharon's no. not, not enjoying this But no. I think it's very a, much a personal thing and I, I think, think it is I, I do yeah, think it's I think,
2: very personal
0: I think if they did both Both Diana's idea and this So they have like a sophisticated Properly professionally designed seasonal palette That'd be fantastic But also like Because this is the, the Prophet Junior So this is the, um, the, clear, the tra- uh, transparent ones, right? Is this they the one?
2: come with different uh, finishes, so it's the steel nib. It's the steel yeah, yeah, yeah. Nib so, but so. at this special event,
1: you could actually choose to fit a gold nib on it. Oh. That's
0: horrific. <laughs> oh gosh, I, look, I, I, think, and I've seen some sailors that look very like they have been assembled in this way. There's, I can't remember the name of it, but there was one that was all manner of colours. It looked like a whole fruit salad. The, um, is
1: it the Kingdom Note ones?
0: I think it was They's, one of those.
1: They are
2: always very colourful. Oh, I have odd. one of the Can recce, I think that might the be the one. Five different colours yes, yes. of red.
0: Oh no, no, that's of no, 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 Five thinking different, different
2: colours one. of red. Um, which I'm quite attached to, my Can Reki. Even the ugly ones, they're memorably ugly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, I, I think I think with the 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 um the Prophet Junior, I think this would be a fun thing, especially if you take kids to it. I
2: think it's fun, but would I want, sp- like, personalization in all of my pens? Probably, oh, no, no, no. Probably not. And, no. like, I get um Di's suggestion of having a particular palette. Yeah. I would, if I were on the sailor marketing team... By the way, Sailor, you can hire me. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I'm offering my services as a consultant. But if Sailor were to hire me, I would be selling those particular pens that die set, like a complete colour palette as standalone pens in one colour with the ability to interchange parts. Right. So you can make your own, but you have to buy the set.
0: Sure. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, yeah.
2: Great yeah. for sales. Because from my perspective, what I do best is not design. So I would never want anything that I've designed. But
1: I think you really need that um, an expert to put it together because Ooh. you don't want to be responsible for. Breakages along the way while you're swapping in and out parts. Do You know what I mean? Like it's not a Lego set. A pen oh, shouldn't it's... be able to be taken apart just that easily. Oh, you
0: can get. Yeah, you can oh, get... Uh, Twisby would like to to say something about that. I think.
1: <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. So they'd have to simplify the number of components That's that right. you can. But
0: that you can swap. I in think and out. the fact that it's the junior profit, the 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 cheaper pen in the range, and because I've done this with, um, I think it's Pen BBS. Or something like that. Or is it a Moon Man? I don't know. But I bought two of them and I swapped the parts around so it made, like, a different look. And it lo- I thought it was cool. And then I swapped them back. And, um, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to sort of just, like, change it and customize it yourself. So
1: I think we've come across, like, a new product. Because I don't know of any pen brands at the moment which design their pens intending them to be, you know,
0: swapped. Like modular.
1: To be yeah. modular,
2: exactly. Uh, so, Lamy had the accent.
0: Ah, uh, the one... Lami accent. Changed the grip. Which
2: were, I think the tagline was like, you know, personalised for your style or something like that. Where you could change the grip, you could change the barrel, you could change the cap. And the grip came in all different types of grip, like wood, metal... Rubber finishes, and it that was one was meant garish, to
0: be like cow skin one. Oh as my well. god, I
2: love that one! <laughs> oh,
0: it was. You see, that's the thing. Like aggressively tacky, but like so, someone who loves it, you know. That's that's me. Sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, that's horribly tacky. I want it.
2: Are they still making this pen? Uh, I think it is still made, but it's not um, distributed that much. So back, at least back when I worked for Lamy. It wasn't something that we really wanted to stock a lot of because there were so many parts that it got very expensive to hold that much stock of, you know, the bright electric blue grip section that only one person wanted.
1: Well, I mean, you can resolve that if you distributed directly, of course, and if you had, like, a website. So I'm just I'm not endorsing Rotofaden in any way, but what they have is, like, on their website, a conf- <laughs> Check back on my review of Rotofaden if you want um, to know about my beef with them. But anyway, what they have on their website is this very useful tool called the configurator, where you can you know select all the options that you want, and it will give you a mock-up of the final organizer or notebook holder that you're designing. So you can have a look at it um, in advance to it being produced and shipped to you. I would love that for a sailor pen, like being able to design a mock-up on um, a sailor website and just, you know, have that pen shipped to me. I think that'd it's be cool. Like,
2: it's like a pizza maker, you know, <laughs> like the, Domino, is it the Domino's pizza pizza chef option where they ran a competition where you designed your own pizza and then the best ones won like a $100 voucher to Domino's, but then they use those particular design pizzas on their actual website. It's hmm. like doing that. Well, I think also Pelican
0: did that. Pelican did that with their um, their Edelstein um, series. They actually had a, like an ink maker where you could yes, combine right. colors to make your own ink, and then you'd name it.
2: The Moonstone came out of that one. Yeah,
0: yeah. They, they and they would give a prize to. Yeah. I can't remember what the prize was, but a they, pack of inks. I think yeah, the whole like every <laughs> single Edelstein ink. Um, Correct. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. even the they, limited yeah. edition ones that are. Yeah, I
0: think they unique. gave you a pack of all of the inks and or the actual pen as well. That, that came out amber. of it. Too. I think it was
2: just the ink.
0: Was it? Oh. I think it was just. the But yeah, inks. they 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 have that too. Like a designer on inks, and the winner you know wins the this only or...
2: one out of those that you want is amber because it's the
0: only one you can't get yes. anymore. I, think...
2: I have yeah. the full set of Edelstein except amber, well, except for
0: amber. <laughs> oh dear. Well, I think I think um, it's, it'd call like it almost be a sort of a Lego esque thing. But I, don't don't the Prophet Juniors have like aren't they glued? Aren't the parts glued? That's
1: what I mean. This mm. is um, – they're, they're probably glued, which is why they need to be assembled by an expert. Yeah. We're, we're not limiting ourselves to the Profit Junior. I mean, I think if, if customizability was actually um, an option when you're buying the product, then we can look at other models and, um, you know, limited the parts, like a section, a cap, the trim, the colour of the nib, just –
0: yeah. So reduce I, the number I, I, of I like. The, I do like the idea, though, of having mm-hmm. at a pen show or a stationary festival or something like that, having a person there that will assemble whatever colour sailor you want. It just sounds like a lot of fun and it's a personal as thing, someone it's a who's memento. Been, as someone
1: who's been to a pen show, like, I'm already imagining the, the horror show that is, like, people... Lined up at oh, this yeah. table. Oh, because, yeah. like, you can think of the n- amount of time that it would take to make all those choices and to assemble it. Like, it would be such a nightmare for showrunners. I'm,
0: I'm <laughs> wondering if they could have some kind of kiosk, you know, where you could, you could, so, like, you know, like how at some fast food places now they have like a little kiosk, and you you, you put the ingredients. It a little techie, man. Yeah, it does, well, like, hey, it, we're it, in it, a it digital age. From,
1: it takes away from the magic of That's the true. experience. That's, That's true. That's true. I think because well, another yeah. way to speed it up was like you give them like a menu, basically, like a piece of yeah. paper while you're yeah. waiting in line. <laughs> The like word. ordering a
2: Korean barbecue. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember I went to a burger joint once where you just tick all the ingredients you want on your burger, like the size and the, the how many onions you want and what avocado and stuff, you know, the, the, you know the, the meat you wanted, et cetera, et cetera. And you just you fill in the form on a clipboard, you give it to the waiter and they bring you bring you out your burger, you know. Like, that'd be good.
2: Sailor, we're full of ideas. If yeah, you were Sailor, to hire we're, we, 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 yeah, we're not limiting ourselves to Sailor, by the way, because if I recall correctly... Nagasawa did a Del- Decimo pilot Decimo, the Hydrangea edition, which was dark purple at the front, light purple at the back. Now I have a light purple um, Decimo, and I also have a dark purple Decimo. I could make my own Hydrangea because I'm really annoyed I missed out on that edition. <laughs> so is it ombre, or is it actually two no, separate colours? Two
1: separate colours. You have so many decimos. You can make so many. I could
2: DIY
0: it, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there's also people who make custom decimos and custom I know. Vanishing just points. ask me about them. <laughs> uh, but, haha, but, I mean, like, they make a custom yes, uh, coating for them. They, um, I know. Uh, have you got one of them?
2: Not on me, but.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I, I actually, I don't know if it, it's ever going to happen, but I, about two years ago I placed, I, I sort of put myself in the queue um, for a, a custom pelican Binned. like what my my green m800 he's going to replace it with this really cool schaefer uh, cellulose acetate um but i'd need to send it to him and he would need to basically destroy the green striped bit and fit his own sleeve onto it but it sounds pretty cool and he's also able to do that with auroras and with vanishing points too yeah so, i've yeah. seen
1: um, some custom customized auroras so they're like aftermarket um customizations right very interesting so yeah, that was, that, those were my thoughts. Like, I think there's a lot of potential there that maybe mm. um, pen brands aren't exploring. And um, personally, I would really like that. I really like the idea of colour palettes mm. and um, having a select number of choices to make something that's quite unique.
2: Copyright that stuff now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, finally, Sharon, our mm. last piece of news, you got to try out and um, hold and write with The new Graf von Faber-Castell Pen of the Year for 2021.
2: I wasn't aware that it was for 2021, but yes, I did. The Knights Edition, which um, is a pretty cool pen. It is made from Damascus steel. And uh, it's... uh, despite it being made from Damascus steel, it's very smooth. It's quite warm to touch, oddly enough. It's not a cold pen, and yesterday wasn't – I tried it yesterday. It wasn't a particularly warm day yesterday. Um, So I tried it out. Uh, It's got some really cool features about it. So the cap of it uh, looks a bit like chainmail. It's got a chainmail-style finish. The body of it it looks like wood, actually looks like a – like petrified wood, but it's Damascus steel. Mm. And then right at the end, it's got a garnet on it. It's got a faceted garnet, very large, at the end of the uh, cap towards the end of the pen, which was pretty cool. My overall impressions was that it was a really cool pen. And I didn't expect to like it because I am of the opinion that Graf von Faber-Castell, do something with your marketing and make pens for women, for God's sake.
1: So I was looking at um, the last three years, pens of the year. They're all masculine.
2: <laughs> They're all masculine. It's so, all about, it's all about, oh, how much testosterone can I get into this pen? This year is about knights. Last year was Sparta. The year before that was samurai. The year before that was Vikings. Vikings or something. Think, yeah. It's <laughs> all about, oh my gosh, how much you know facial hair can I grow on this particular pen? Last year's one had bloody abs on it. And really? I said I said this oh my to God. The, I said this to the <laughs> Faber-Castell territory manager yesterday who I uh, who I caught up with. I was like last year's pen was just ridiculous. It was a ridiculous overt exclamation of masculinity because you had abs on the pen and he said, oh, did we really? I'm like, did you not notice the grip section? Uh, you, were, you were literally gripping onto oh someone's six-pack. You uh, would expect that a woman would like to grip onto someone's six-pack. Yeah, six pack. that's a
0: bit that's, yeah. Mm.
2: But it was <laughs> it's such a masculine pen. So, Who's
0: designing these? Is this person like so really? the Count. Yeah, the, the
2: Count. Count himself, Charles. Count Charles designs these. Uh, so Count Charles, I know you listen to us. Please uh, can yeah. I get a feminine <laughs> gruff of because, oh, take my money already. Take my money. Or something unisex. Or something unisex. Because I will say, so this pen is...
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, the idea of macho pens with abs is They're just They're so hilarious. macho. Oh, my so God. I one didn't one know this. This one,
2: this one is a bit better. So the grip section doesn't have abs on it. Instead, it's... Oh,
0: why even buy it then, Sharon? Gosh.
2: It's a titanium grip section that's been... Um, like almost rubberized. It's a really nice grip section. The pen is heavy. It, being Damascus steel, it is very heavy. Um, I work in the steel industry. So, you know, it is uh, it's very, very nice steel. Um, the pen itself is very comfortable to hold. Um, did I mention it was really heavy? So it's not good for long, long bouts of writing. It is heavier than almost any pen. The pen of that the I've year ones tried. are
0: always quite big, though, and heavy. Right? Like they're yeah. not small. They're not. Light they're pens. not
2: small pens. But this one is shorter than prior pens of the year. The other ones I've always held in my hand and they've always felt too long, whereas this one fits in my hand. It fits in my hand quite well. Well, they've um, clearly
0: listened to you, Sharon. <laughs> well, <laughs> they've evidently. made it a little, bit, a little bit less macho for those big man hands that most oh my men have, gosh. you know?
2: So, um, yeah, so it is a, a good-looking pen. It's got my favourite part about Graf von Faber-Castell pens, which is the spring-loaded clip. It's got the same spring-loaded clip design. I do like their clips. That you see on um, the Classic and the – Platinos. The Platinos. The the Intuitions, yeah. Yeah. It looks like a classic, um, an oversized Classic cap, but with chainmail design on it. So it's really cool. Things which will annoy some people. Don't annoy me, but will annoy some people. It is not a piston filler. It is a quote-unquote piston filler. It's a captured converter.
0: Um, I did not
2: expect that because it looked like it has an ink window. It does have an ink window, so you have to unscrew the back and the entire back comes off where you would expect a plunger to be plunging down. No, the entire back comes off and then you get a little knob which is the beginning of the captured converter which you would use to suck up ink. And I think for a lot of people that would be a deal breaker because the recommended retail price of this pen is extremely high. Like uh, I'm not one to usually flinch at pen prices. This one almost made me flinch. So for comparison, it was more expensive
1: than my um, Rugid Kipling limited edition that I got last year. The Jungle Book pen it was like five thousand something
2: yes yes it was so it is more expensive than most of the like the premium mont blanc limited editions um so it is quite pricey uh the recommended retail price in australia is it's a chunky wad of cash but, and, and it is a pen that has a captured converter. Now, the reason why I say that I don't mind it is because if you were to use this pen, it would be extremely easy to repair. Because mm. if your filling mechanism breaks on a piston, on a gen, true piston, right, your yeah, pen is tricky. gone. <laughs> your pen is gone for at least a good three to four months. Whereas for this, they just pluck out the filling mechanism and put a new one in.
0: I will say, like there is a precedent for even being cartridge converter for super expensive pens. I believe the st Dupont um, they had this uh, Orient Express edition and their samurai edition uh, ca- All cartridge the ST DuPonts are cartridge converter yeah, yeah, so and they' you know ten fifteen grand and they're still cartridge converter um, and there is an appeal to cartridge converter. I actually quite like me that. too, but i do I do get what you mean though like is it a cap- captive converter like like the Leonardo ones where it's like a large converter inside it or is it just
2: it's a large converter okay so it's not it like is. not oh. like
0: um some of the um okay yeah i I'm, she's just showing me a photo now yeah okay so we'll it's it has a large capacity because um some other pens they just have it's like they've just glued in a standard international converter no no
2: no this is a large yeah. size converter. okay good so that's like, at you know, least something it does give you the extra capacity yeah in that's it great but it is a captured converter, so it is not a piston filler for those who are hoping that it's a piston filler. It's
0: um, a piston filler plus. Sorry, sorry, it's a, con- a converter converter filler plus. Yeah. Like a converter well, S.
2: No, it's not even a converter. It's Because a converter suggests you can convert the pen from a cartridge filler to a converter, right? So it's not really a converter, it's... It's a captured filling mechanism that is Mm. not really a piston. Not integrated. Uh, Yeah, it's Mm. not an integrated Mm. piston. So that's going to annoy some some people who are paying that particular amount, especially those purists out there, which I know they exist, who think when you get to a certain price point, it has to be piston or it has to be VAC vac filler or GTFO, right? I'm not one of those, so I can accept the captured converter system. And it's… I think a better-looking pen than the Abs pen. Um, oh, how could you say that, Sherry? So Romans, it was the Roman pen uh,
0: last year.
2: Sorry, not I Sparta, Sparta. Sparta? Uh, yeah, yeah, Sparta. Well, Sorry. Sparta.
0: Can I just say, I, I, there's something I'm very disappointed about in this pen because they com- they Don't compl- have Abs. No, 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 no. In the theme of nights, I feel like they could have completely taken the opportunity to add a cod piece to this one. <laughs> Come on, it would have fit with the theme. It would have been macho. You know, little bit homoerotic. You know, it would have been perfect. <laughs>
2: so you can write to. Uh, I will. The, I will. You will you can I write will. To the count. And I will say
0: I am writing with a pen that does not have abs. Thank you. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but yeah, be, I think I think you know if you're gonna go the whole hog, give it the whole hog <laughs> with a cod piece. <laughs> Um, actually, but you mentioned chainmail, right? And you you like you like the idea of having a slightly slimmer or more unisex pen. There is actually a kharandash pen, the Ivanhoe,
2: mm. yes, that yes, has chainmail. So I don't like the chainmail. Uh, this is so this is the oh, interesting okay. bit. I like the body of it, and I like the body of it because it was steel. But it looked like petrified wood. Yeah, it, it does have pretty a nice cool. wood, Looks, wood
0: grain. It, wood grain metal is so it, exotic. It was
2: very attractive, and it was so smooth. It was so smooth, and it had like the little grooves in it. So does it feel the, matte, or does it feel like matte. matte? The whole thing is quite matte, and even the grip section, which is titanium, was a really nice grip section because hmm. it wasn't glossy. It was almost. It felt rubberized. I thought it was rubber. But they said no; it's actually titanium. Um, the cap I didn't like; it was the chainmail finish. It was not for me. Okay, I thought it was a bit ugh. Yeah, not for me. But the actual pen itself, I really liked. I liked it much better than the Sparta. I'm quite excited for next year. I'm really disappointed that it was so heavy and not suited for my hand, because I would have thrown some serious money at something like that had it been for um, a little bit less masculine, a little bit less oh man. <laughs>
1: Like, they should make for he and her. Yeah, <laughs>
2: because they did that for the um, the green and the the violet, the green and the violet yeah. one, the Otil Otti? Oti and the Alexander.
1: I really considered buying that one. Me it too. It was so
2: heavy though. It was too heavy. Mm. Yes. So I would like something that's a little bit lighter. I like all the really cool materials that they use. Um, I would prefer if the material were organic rather than steel. Just personal preference, because I think the I prefer the uniqueness of having like the horsehair, the amber, the um, horsehair amber jade they did a couple of years ago. I thought all of that was really cool, but this one—it's steel. It, you know, the body of it is top-notch, um, and it is a total of uh, um, the. There were a total of three hundred and seventy-five fountain pens produced um, altogether. And and, and here's, here's an interesting and slightly controversial point. It is a limited edition pen, but each pen is not numbered. Only the box is. What do we okay. think about that? I hate
1: that. That's like the, mm. um, the platinum, um, the lavenders and the, yeah. those 3776s, which are not engraved. Correct.
0: Yeah, except those are what, like $400, not yes. like $9,000? Oh, <laughs> exactly. They but- also don't have abs. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So this is gonna be Tav's dream for next year to get a pen. Please.
0: With I mean look, yeah. I could never afford it. I would never buy any of those ones. They they're not the right shape for my hands. Um, You'd be surprised. This one not. is
2: very, very comfortable. Okay. Well,
0: I've tried some of the previous years. No, this.
2: Is, so, they've come out ever since the Viking. They've come out, have they? they With did. the
0: abs and everything. That's oh, great. Um, I'm happy so for them. Since,
2: since the Viking edition, the shape has changed. It's not been in the same vein as the older pen of the years. So, they've now started slowly, slowly making them more comfortable to hold at least for more hand sizes um yeah so it's really it was interesting that it's not uh, numbered on the actual pen itself um you know for some that's going to be a deal breaker for me at that price point yeah probably a deal breaker mm, i don't know i'd have to think about it
0: yeah i don't i don't i'm, I, I'm not much of an ellie sort of fan myself like i don't really Have a lot of ones, but I do like the idea of having a number. If I'm going to get one, I like having a number on it.
2: Well, so to to be fair, right? So the Snakewood Classic that we both have was a limited edition out of 1761, which which did not come numbered. But those are considerably cheaper. Sorry, I'm eating six seven hundred dollars, like six seven hundred Aussie. Possibly more, actually. I think it would have been more than that. I think it was that. more than that because the yeah, regular,
0: sounds quite cheap for the a regular snake
2: classics hand. in Australia are about seven hundred. Yeah,
0: I, f- I think yeah, it was so, much more than that actually.
2: So, uh, out of the three hundred and seventy-five, um, Australia has approximately ten coming into the country, um, and interestingly have will be disappointed but no broad nibs coming into the country the nib is um the nib is the same one that was on the platino oh i like those nibs so it's the platino size nib big um, nibs big nibs uh 18 carat ruthenium plated it looks identical to the platino so nibs. it's the
1: ones that don't have they don't have a breather hole, hole. yeah yep, that's right really they don't nice. have
2: the breather hole so nice nib um looks almost not big enough for the pen <laughs> that tells you how big the pen actually <laughs> the pen, is <laughs> the, pen's, the pen's decent size it doesn't look disproportionate but the the nib is the same size as the platino um the platino nibs
0: is it decorated in any way or same is it-
2: decoration as the platino oh
0: see that would be a bit of a deal breaker for me because it's like it, you'd, you'd want to at least have it engraved or stamped in a way
2: Speaking. Oh, oh, okay. She's oh, she's she's, she's very excited. Oh my, oh, my oh my gosh, what's going on? So speaking of decorated nibs, there is one nib that I want this year, that I want for Christmas this year, and I think I'm gonna bite the bullet and buy it. Mont Blanc this year's Little Prince Le Petit Prince edition has a ruby on the nib. On the nib. That's cool. On the nib. Oh, That's wow. Very cool. So I think I'm gonna get the pen because I want the very ruby nice. nib. <laughs>
0: If you need that adjusted, do not give it to me. I'm not touching that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's no.
1: actually hope you reasonably won't, priced. You'd, you'd hope you won't need adjusting on a Mont Blanc nib. Mont Blanc nibs have overall uh,
2: been pretty good.
1: My, oh, look, my experience I've, with them have been yeah, pretty good. Look, but she goes with
2: Fs and EFs. Yeah.
0: yeah, I guess I guess their broader ones can be a bit funny. Uh, their, their, their fines and mediums are pretty good. I
2: have a double broad in a Mont Blanc.
0: Look, I, I've, I, I've personally had some bad luck, but I think I think it's just that. I think it's just been bad luck. The, the overall I think you're just
1: them. very picky about your nibs Is that too? Yes, I'm very
0: thingy <laughs> about them. But that being said, I have had some, and I've also met other people who've had ones that are just not great at all.
2: So anyway, to round out yes. all of that... Um, only fines and mediums coming into Australia, interestingly. (sighs) So three fines and the rest are all mediums, no broads.
0: How are you supposed to be macho with a little dainty fine nib? My gosh. gosh.
2: And so the pen doesn't, I think only caps out at a broad nib, so you can't get like a stock standard triple broad. I think the Platino
1: intuitions have been discontinued. So you can't even like, you can't even get a Platino nib and swap it onto it.
2: You had a whole bunch of Platino nibs three, that you. I have
1: three had, Platinos. Yeah, ground yeah. down, right? Exactly. I, I bought very broad you can still nibs.
0: Still buy Platino nibs separately from some stores. Okay. I think, like, um, like a and have, stuff like that. Yeah, they may have. Like um, I seem to remember seeing on some online stores you can still buy Platino nibs.
2: But I'm pretty sure the pl- the Intuition Platino itself is no longer. I think it's oh, the that's Intuition that's discontinued. I don't know if the Platino is. We, we can check. Yeah, okay. We'll check. Yeah. Well, the Watch patino is an
1: intuition. so... It's the largest It's the largest
2: intuition. Yeah. And again, Graf von Faber Castell, if you're listening, um, Sir Count, I, I don't know what the. Count Sir Count. Uh, Sir it. Count. <laughs> what uh Sir Count The Right Honorable Sir the, Count. Yes. Please make something more feminine. I don't want oversized pens anymore. Please, 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 please make something that I can use on the daily. The classic, you hit it out of the park. The yosh, oh my gosh, really, really great. Why can't you do more? In the you're really missing. That you're particular? really missing our our market. That's what I <laughs> like, I'd love to spend more money. <laughs> I would Honestly, I've said take my money, but don't make it too heavy. Make it something that I can use every single day and. You know, we've got a deal. And if you want to chuck a garnet on the back of whatever pen you designed for me. Sold. Sold, right? I love a garnet. Actually, if you want to one-up it, put a tourmaline in there because I happen to like them a little bit more. Okay. Just to be clear, we don't want really, really
1: pink Marilyn Monroe pens. Yeah. Like pens with hips and – Yeah, pens with curves. (laughs) And corsages. That's yeah, not just what just we careful. <laughs> like we don't want it to
0: go the other way.
1: Like pens, yeah. Should the Faber so Castell twenty twenty two bikini.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, that's um, our thoughts on the pen of the
2: year twenty twenty one from Grafon Faber Castell. And in case you were um, wondering, the recommended retail price in Australia is seven thousand nine hundred Aussie, so about eight thousand dollars. We recommend not about eight. It is less
1: than eight. It's just less seven thousand nine hundred dollars is a lot of money. (laughs) Die. Well, it doesn't even cover GST. (laughs) So, if you're buying in Australia, um, check the price that the retailer is charging you, um, and knowing what the recommended retail price is gives you a little bit of you know negotiating space (laughs) if they're happening to charge higher. Um, if you buy it internationally, knowing that it's limited edition, um,
2: three hundred and seventy-five uh, three hundred and seventy-five pieces in the fountain pen and less in the rollable.
1: I don't know how how quickly
2: these tend to sell out, but I know that this they tend one, to go out to collectors quite. So this easily. one will sell out. This one will sell out a lot quicker than ABS pen and probably sell out <laughs> quicker than Samurai pen because it is actually more usable and it's more um, streamlined. Because samurai pen was a bit over the top. Samurai pen had a lot of. I like bits samurai to it. better than sparta. Well, you didn't like <laughs> filling up those six pack when you wrote. <laughs> Did not like the look. No. So I think the um, I, I think this one will sell out.
1: So if you if you're in the market for um a Damascus steel knight's pen of the year, get in contact with your local retailer. <laughs> On to the main topic. This topic is – well, the the main conversation for this episode was prompted by a a musing, I think, from Sharon that certain things that we write with we expect to change or to mutate um, over the process of whether days or weeks or years and then other things we actually get very annoyed and offended at when they change and – I think the example that she gave was ink specifically. I think it's very popular. Well, I think only very recently we've become much more used to the idea of coloured inks that, you know, when they're fresh and just written, they're one colour and then maybe over the process of drying or over several days, they'll turn into a different colour. Um, and some people think that's a great affront. Other people, this is just a feature. It's not a bug.
0: Iron gold. Iron gold.
1: Exactly, like iron yeah, gold. Yeah. Like the, um, the classic, the, the platinum. platinum classic.
0: Yeah, yeah. they're lovely. I love like them.
1: lavender, what's it called? Lavender, lavender black. black. Yeah. And the lemon one, which is
2: actually quite nice. The citrus black. The yeah, citrus black. That's yeah. Really, yeah, I, think so, I yeah. find
0: the classic ones are really well designed. They They have a really nice subtlety to them they're not super heavy iron gall inks so they they just darken a little bit they they kind of give it that kind of rustic feel um i actually really like not just the way they change color immediately um iron gall inks especially um kwz inks they they change color very dramatically i love it but they also change color over the years so i've got a bit of ink that i uh, 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 like a little note that i wrote myself and i stuck it to a wall In um, it was a KWZ, I think it was um, iron gall orange or something like that. And it turned this lovely brown. And over the years, that brown has sort of aged and it's now a very subtle, uh, kind of what I'd describe as auburn color. It's really, really nice. And some of my other iron galls as well, they've changed and it looks quite vintage. You know, they have this yellowish, um, yellowy brown. Color Now, so they look like an – you ever look at those old ship's logs that were clearly written in iron gall ink? They have this really nice yellowy-brown colour to the ink, and it gets that. It gets that colour, and I quite like that, but I guess it's a very personal thing.
2: How this thought came about from uh, my end was that um, I had interviewed uh, Kelly from Mountain of Ink, and we were talking about how uh, inks uh, change – They change over time and in particular nowadays there's such an abundance of different colors and different variations of basically the same color but one is slightly more shading and the other one has a bit of sheen but once you actually put ink to paper how long does that characteristic actually stay or all the things that you love about a particular ink is it still going to remain a loved ink? Um, after a year or after two years and then at that particular point in time you know what are your what are your thoughts when you revisit it and if you're buying an ink what are you hoping to get are you hoping to get something that's going to stand the test of time that's going to look absolutely identical or are you going to have something that's going to give you the five minutes of pleasure and then you just forget about it. An example of this would be Penman Sapphire. So if you get a bottle of Penman Sapphire now, it does not look like Penman Sapphire that it used to look like. Really? It's not the same thing. Huh. It is not the same thing and people have you know people pay hundreds of dollars for a bottle of Penman Sapphire and they get it and they go, "Oh, it's just a blue ink. It's a saturated blue ink and it's not particularly well behaved, but it's it's a blue ink." It's like over a decade old. Yeah, it more, more so it's 1990s mm. early 90s 30 years so it's a <laughs> yeah and i remember when i first got my bottle of penman sapphire and i thought it was absolutely fantastic but then when i revisited penman sapphire 10 years after i looked at it and i was just like no and i couldn't tell if it was because the ink had changed or if my taste had changed um, because there were so many other alternatives, saturated blue alternatives out on the market.
0: Yeah, like Private Reserve American Blue is yeah. very – that's a gorgeous blue. And
2: that was meant to be a dupe for Penman yeah, Sapphire. Yeah. So now if you actually use Penman Sapphire, it doesn't look anything like what Penman Sapphire looked like yeah, back in I the I have day. a bunch
0: of it. I have a bunch of the old cartridges. And it's like – like I've seen photos of it when it was fresh and I'm thinking, oh, gosh, this eye-searing, almost like Bay State Blue – but now it's kind of like, yeah, it's just blue. It's blue. You know? um, but then when I use private Reserve American blue, oh, again, it's that eye-searing, yeah, it's the, that eye-searing blue. Um, and I think it's the same with, um, with Bungu Box um, First Love Sapphire. And I think that was also supposed to be a dupe.
2: Uh, but all of them have changed colour. So I've pulled out a my old ink log from 2017, 2018, and there have been a lot of inks which have changed color, and now when I'm looking at it, I go, "Oh, did I really like that at hmm. the time,
1: or has, has it, it really changed?
2: has it really just changed?"
1: But here's the thing, and I'm going to also refer to an interview that I did with an ink collector, um, Anna Anna Chiki, because we what we did was we compared collecting inks with collecting perfumes, and that subject the same lack of. Um, like fixedness in terms of how it performs over time because of the chemical the stability of the chemical composition and because there's no like industry standard insisting that it has to be perfectly stable for however many years and and even though like perfumes and inks they come with like expiry dates or recommended dates i believe they do at least i I don't think inks attested to that rigorous standard and i don't think they should be i don't uh, unless it's don't going to be, to be exactly unless it's um like a document ink yeah. which has to be legible and stable um for decades i, like, usually I don't think usually those colors are
0: kind of boring you know all those permanent <laughs> yes not a problem like i use them all the time but you know like a document black ink i mean that's then, just black
2: how do you justify this new maximalist um mentality where you have to collect every single type of ink under this color spectrum. You might as well just collect the same ink, but bought from different years. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Because in a couple of years time, they're just not going to look the same. They're not going to look the same. I have
0: a bit of an exception to that rule though. Um, It's Schaefer Peacock blue. And that's, I have a couple of bottles from the sixties and every photo of that I've seen is just the same extremely bright turquoise that I've never seen replicated in any in any way and when I try it myself it's it is as turquoise as the you know as the the you know all the other photos I've seen from previous years
2: but you've had um, so and I've heard this about a couple of inks and I have a couple where they're they're just as good as the day that I bought them so you would only know that through time and testing You would actually only know that through time and testing. And without the benefit of someone having tested an ink 10 years ago, you wouldn't know that, you know, Schaefer Peacock would be exactly the same today as it was back when it was originally manufactured. So how much lenience are we going to give to this idea that we need to collect every single colour now under the sun? And because this is the in colour, except four days later, when you look at it, it just looks like poop. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm thinking about Dye's so, example. Yes. So
1: my, my example, the, the thing I, I thought of immediately when Sharon uh, brought up this topic was an ink that I purchased last year at a Montblanc calligraphy event. And it's one of the elixir inks. So it's one of the scented inks. Very, very pricey. So much more pricey than oh, their regular inks. I think it's like $70, $80. No, it's
2: $130. Oh, yeah, it there, a bit, there a bit much. There there a bit much. <laughs> you had a lot to drink that night, so you don't remember yes. buying this. I, however, I did buy a bottle of this ink later on. I bought the maroon one. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember thinking, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but you have no excuses. You were sober when you bought it. I intentionally bought it, correct. <laughs>
1: So the, the ink that I bought was Vetiver Green from the Mont Blanc Elixir series. And it's, it's scented. It's scented like, well, supposedly like Vetiver, but it's, it's more like a, a sort of a sweet gourmandy green fragrance. It's got quite a bit of um, like vanilla in it. And the color, um, fresh, I would describe it as this very pleasant, very legible, light green with hints of like an umber, like a brownie umber and yellow.
2: I would describe it as slightly more green than Chikurin. Perfectly acceptable. Like very nice colour. I really liked it.
1: And even in um, less than ideal lighting circumstances, um, I bought it late at night. It was fine. I really liked it. And I was even okay with the the scent. (laughs) And the price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll overlook that considering um, my level of sobriety at the time. And what was surprising was that not even like over – a matter of days, but over a matter of hours, this very pleasant light green turns into what, what would you call this color? Shade pea yellow.
0: Oh, I don't know. Uh, if your it's peas pea. that color, I'd be a little concerned. It's a bit green to be pea.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a very light um, greenish yellow. It it's is
0: insipid.
1: It's it's very insipid. It's very it's so pale. It's not very legible at all, mm. even in a broad nib. So this is um, a broad um, architect nib that I have it filled in. And I actually did a test of it, a fresh test of it yesterday. So I, I took a photograph of it right after I written a bit of it and another photograph with a freshly written line an hour later. And the difference between the ink that was one hour old and the fresh ink is just incredible. Like so extreme um i would not have bought the ink if i knew that the color it would turn into would be this illegible vomit pea yellow it reminds
0: me of that there was a Lamy limited edition no it uh, doesn't re- it no? doesn't
2: remind you of that what it's, it's not, not does- like neon lime no, 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 no. but what it's like it the does other does remind me one. of is the Maruzen athena <laughs> lemon <laughs>
0: oh gosh chuck if you're listening i'm very sorry
2: uh, so, th- that particular one actually lays down brighter and goes darker. So, it's in reverse. It's oh, actually, in reverse. you
0: know what? I'm just remembering. There's another Mont Blanc ink that I was really disappointed in that does the same thing. It's the Blue Hour. The Mont Blanc Blue Hour. I love Blue, the
2: Hour. Blue Hour. I like the fact that but, it changed colour.
0: Uh, sure, but I would. I actually but bought why? some of it. Why is Hang that on. acceptable in I Blue Hour? I bought it because... The colour of, that it's supposed to be would be perfect for use at work. And then it turns green. I'm like, oh, but I thought this was supposed to be blue. I can't use green ink at work. It's a
2: feature, not a bug. <laughs> so The thing with these, the Montblanc
1: inks is what my thoughts are on this topic is that I can accept this sort of drastic change. Um, this drastic mutation of color when it's actually marketed, you know, when it's actually described as the expected outcome when you write with it.
0: There's a Noodler's ink that does that. It's, del- it's general of the armies. It's designed mm. to go from, I think, blue to green.
2: And that was Blue Hour. Blue Hour was um, marketed, oh, okay. I think, as a color of ink. Really?
0: Oh, I was yeah, never told.
2: It was something about the hour of the night where it goes from blue to, like, ah, this blackish, colour shift. Like yeah. Green, green,
0: though?
2: It's not green. It just looks like...
0: It looked distinctly like green it's to me. It's a teal. It's a teal. Teal, but with a heavy emphasis on the green.
1: I like blue hour fresh as well.
0: Yeah, the, the fresh well, blue like because I thought it was going to be a lovely navy blue to yeah. use at yeah. work. Then it goes distinctly green. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it is yeah. it, it ha- it's a green with a bit of blue rather than blue mind with a bit of green. You,
2: this this writing sample is from twenty sixteen.
0: Well, it, but it looks like that straight away as well, though. Like, mm, like once it's it dried, looks a bit more blue. Does it? Okay, it looks but a yeah. bit more blue. But, but that's the thing, though. When I'm writing a do- you know signing a document, I want it to be in blue, and then it changed, and I had no idea that it was meant to change colors like that. If it was actually meant to, you know, uh, I don't mind a color changing ink. I just have to know. <laughs>
1: So, I think there's like, there's two issues. There's one, which is consistency. Like, how do we know that the ink that we buy and that we write with is going to give us the same result as a review that we see online, given that we might have purchased um, a bottle of ink that's a different age or, you know, that's been oxidised to a different level or been stored in different circumstances, environments and so on. That's one issue, which is, you know, a consistency and um, a sort of a being able to get a standard of how the ink is expected to look. And the other issue is, like, what is the range or the parameters of variability that we are we should be able to accept in a product yeah. you know when we buy it when we're not actually told in advance that it will change do you think that's generally accepted in all circumstances when they actually warn you of it um or do you think that's in itself a bug
2: i think that in itself is a bug part of the reason why i have an appreciation for ink reviewers i have great a huge amounts of respect for ink reviewers is because they tell you what the ink is meant to look like when it's written fresh, right? They would take the photo of something that's just been written. Where we run into issues is with the super premium inks, like especially I'm thinking of your vetiver green, where you're spending $140 for a bottle of ink where you don't know how it's going to perform because that type of pricing for an ink is going to be absolutely out of the range for most ink reviewers.
1: And I came across this issue when I was, so when I found that my ink was turning this colour after a number of hours, I tried to Google online and see if if other people reported the same issue. because the price is prohibitive. Yes, because it's not marketed as an ink that is meant to change colour. So I was like, is there something wrong particular with my bottle or are other people having the same issue? And there are no reviews out there that have actually tested this ink. It's
2: all promo photos.
1: It's exactly. All promo photos. And the promo photos show the color as fresh. Hmm. If if they actually show the color at all. Most Mont Blanc um, promo photos don't actually actually show you the color of the ink. Yeah, they
2: show I don't you think the think packaging. That's very important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I think there is a place in the community for ink reviewers, but I would really hope that more manufacturers are either able to provide samples to reviewers so that people are not going into their purchases unaware, especially if you're going to be spending that dollar amount on a particular ink.
1: Sharon, 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 like I said, I have an excuse for buying this ink. I was sloshed at the time. You, on the other hand, had no excuses for spending
2: $150 on a bottle of ink. And do you know what the most horrific part about all of this is? It's still sealed in package. I can bring it out. It's still in its oh plastic. No. So haven't you, you can't even tell us if that ink also changes colour. I, I will, after this recording, I will open my freshly, well, not even freshly. It's, it's actually about six months since I, last, oh, since I bought this ink. But I will open my Mont Blanc uh, Elixir uh, ink and I will test it. And I'll tell you if it changes colour or if it smells foul.
0: You know, it's interesting, actually. um, I didn't realise this at the time because I was using a bit of Baystate Blue for work, thinking, oh, it's a really waterproof ink. It must be super permanent. I also did a little bit of calligraphy with it. So I diluted it so it wouldn't feather so much. And then I did a bit of calligraphy with it. And then I, maybe about six months later, I noticed that the calligraphy had gone grey. It was a now extremely light grey. All of the blue had just faded and I'm thinking, oh dear, the fact, the stuff that I've done at work, I hope that that hasn't faded as well. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't know where 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 the stuff is being kept, some in some archive somewhere. But that's another thing. Uh, and I saw somebody actually joking about, oh, use base eight blue for this; it'll never fade. And I'm like, oh, actually, it fades really badly. It might be waterproof, but it's not fade proof. And I think that's another thing when. Ink manufacturers might say, "Oh, it's 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 bulletproof." You know, you can't bleach it out, you can't use solvents on it, you can't wash it off. It's not right. light fast. Yeah, exactly. Light fastness is actually something I look in look for in inks, and I think things like um, Jeoban, um, they advertise their inks as light fast, not waterproof. And it's true. I'm yeah. just looking at my Same Emerald Gra- or Chavor from like, 2016. Yeah, like Graphone Faber Castell, they are, most of their inks are. They call them permanent, but it's not that they're waterproof. It's that they're light fast, which yes, is the, the really imp-
1: manufacturers.
0: And that is that is the most important thing, in my view. Yeah. People go, "Oh, but it's it's got to be permanent. It's got to hold up to water." Yeah, but if you're writing a court document, if you spill something on it, the, the, I guess. That's a you might want to reprint it or something and re-sign it, but if it's not light fast and the trial or the court case takes two years and it's faded in two years, that's not going to look good.
2: Yeah, so I'm just looking at all of my J. Hoban now that you've mentioned it, and the J. Hoban has held up very, very yeah. well. Yeah, over they they, time. they
0: talk they talk on their website about them being light fast, or at least they did at some point. Yeah. So for me holding up to light and age is a much better marker of an ink's performance than can I bleach it, you know? Um, Yeah. And and there's another thing. A lot of royal blue inks I find, because they're sort of washable, they themselves do fade. But I've also noticed some of them don't. My grandfather once showed me a letter that he wrote to his mother in, I think it was Pelican blue pelican royal blue you know the one that's been the same formula that's been there for you know 100 years or whatever um and it looks like it was just written yesterday because it was kept in a in a light well in, in a dark drawer um but then again some other ones i think sharon you've got some mont blanc royal blue and that looks a fair bit um oh, it, lighter it than, doesn't look than good. like so so yeah just different chemicals different dyes Got to check what the manufacturer says in terms of things like light fastness because even iron gall inks aren't a hundred percent light fast.
2: No, so iron gall inks always change colour. Yeah, and so my platinum blue black, which is actually very blue when you write down with it, has gone grey after time.
0: Yeah, that that's true as well. A lot of um, older style iron gall inks darken, and then they'll darken and then they lighten a bit. They go grey. Well. Well, yeah, look at that. That's they four go gray. years old. They grow. They go gray, and then actually, I think you'll find they might go brown a bit as well. Uh, the ox- like the oxidation seems to happen a bit differently after a few years, and they go like a, a, a brown color.
2: So the one that stands out to me the most in terms of being the most horrific is the Pelican Edelstein Aquamarine. I am looking at this. It looks terrible. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it looks it's... like seafoam green. <laughs> We'll take a photo of this. Yeah. Let's see if I'm green. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's terrible. And that's not something that I associate with the Edelstein series. The Edelstein series is a very stable series, but I, I'm a bit surprised by this. Yeah. But, you know, it's not all bad news. There are some types of ink which just have, l- like, stood the test of time. I'm looking at – so Waterman Tender Purple, fantastic. Um, most of the bung box, so the Sailor Bung Box series, have stood the test of time really well. Um, a platinum pigment black, you know, the original and the best. Uh, Lamy Dark Lilac still looks as good as it did on day one.
0: but well, there, there's there's also more more to time than just inks, though. I I think one of the most poignant examples of age in uh, a pen is the lamy 2000 in the macrolon finish um, I oh, actually yeah. I actually have known people that complain because when I worked in in the pen industry people would come in with a you know a, maybe they've broken the cap of their macrolon lamy 2000 and so Lamy would provide a replacement cap and they because it, it sort of worn down and worn smooth the cap looked different and they would claim that Lamy had put a fake cap or that they would put the wrong cap on and we had to search on google images to show them what yeah. an old lamy 2000 well, looks you, like versus you, a new one
1: if you remember um tom mays tom's interview
0: um
1: when he discussed how, what lamy does with the 2000s is that they're brushed so that the cap and the pen so they're brushed at the same time so each body matches a particular cap so, even if you got a brand new cap that was the same age as the body, the macrolon just would not match. Yeah. So, you really need to replace the whole pen.
0: Yeah. But, but that's that said, though, they do smooth down over time. They become a bit glossier. And so, this one was very matte. The cap was very matte. And the person was indignant. He insisted that Lamy had done the wrong thing. And we're like, look, <laughs> we, we understand. But we're going to have to show you on Google Images what it looks like.
1: Isn't it lovely, though, that they like they prefer the finish on the pen that's older you know that they've had that history with and that i don't think it was a matter to.
0: of preference i think he just thought we were trying to screw him
1: <laughs> how old was his pen like from what decade
0: um, i think it was about 10 years old so it had worn quite smooth and he dropped it and the cap had cracked um so Lamy just replaced the cap um fine um but he was like refusing to pay for it because he was like oh i, I know what you're trying to do and i'm like we're like what what, what, what are we trying to do? Please enlighten me. <laughs> so, but but yeah, I think that's really nice. You know, it gives an age, the idea of the age of the pen. And I think some other wooden pens too have that. They darken with your hand oils and stuff like that.
1: I really like those materials that are almost that future-proofed. Are, that are intended to change. Yeah. But they're intended to change in a way that actually um, enhances yep. yeah. their appearance or their usability.
0: And ebonite. Um, well, at least the old vintage Ebonite pens that I have, some of them have changed color. Some of them have gone pale, which some people consider a flaw. I personally don't think it is a flaw. Um, I've even seen like with some older Monte Grappa ones with their Ebonite feeds, they go kind of almost white, um, because they've faded over time. Uh, it doesn't affect the functionality, thankfully, but yeah, they're, they're, um, You know, there's just some materials like celluloid um, changes over time. I have some, this beautiful um, old Parker duofold in what's called true blue. It's this lovely kind of striped blue pattern. And it, it has browned a little bit because of the latex in the sack. I guess that has also, that's, that's a sign of its age, and it, it's a sign that it's been used rather than kept with, because some people remove the, the bladder from the pen to prevent it from aging, but like, then it won't be used. I was thinking of um, urushi, and in particular, I have
2: a nakaya, which uh, has not seen enough use, and I am guilty of that, but it is a midori tamanuri which is green base. So it's a dark, well, it's a medium dark green base and it has blackish brown lacquer on top of it, but it's also got cats on it. So when you first buy this pen, it's textured and it just all looks black with some textures on it. But the intention is that as you start using the pen, the green will come out and the pattern becomes more obvious. And I would love to see what that pen would look like in 20 years' time. I, I think I haven't used it nearly enough and it's something that I will remedy, but that is intentional when you're looking for change uh, after a period of time.
1: Today I was writing with my um, VP pilot VP, Minamo Raden, and I brought this because I wanted to show you what had happened to the, the lacquer and the Raden on it. Um, so... This pen is lacquered in such a way that it does wear down. And I don't know if it's actually intended, but you can feel the pains of Raden where it's actually quite rough now and you can see the scratches on it. Um, And I actually think this is actually a flaw um, in the manufacture and the design, but it it doesn't bother me that much because it doesn't hinder the way that I use the pen. Um, But then I also compared it with my... Uh, Nakayas, like Sharon did. So um, I have here with me my Decapod Twist, which is Hekitaminori. And I haven't used this sufficiently to actually wear down the color of the brown lacquer on top.
0: But over time. I think it also oxidizes a bit as well over time, doesn't it?
1: So Sharon just uh, brought me her, like, basically unused Minamo Raden. Unused. Unused. And it's smooth. So um, unlike mine, which where you can feel the edges of the Raden and I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I use my Minamo VP a lot, like quite a lot mm. and I don't give it any particular treatment. I don't like mm. put it in a special case or anything like that. I don't mind the wear um, as long as like the Raden is not falling out, <laughs> which it may at one point, but you know, I've been using this for four years and it's still okay. Um, it's just showing a bit of wear. I wouldn't sell it, for example, and to an unwarned buyer. Um, but like I said, I was comparing it to my Nakayas, which are marketed in such a way that you expect the colour and the appearance of the Urushi to change over time. And I think what, um, not to get too philosophical, what I came down to was the thought that there are certain manufacturers who, first of all, change is inevitable. Like the adage, everyone gets old and dies. <laughs> like everything we buy, whether it's ink or paper or pens, it will age and it will change over time. And there's like ways to resist that change and there's ways to work with it. So you can either try to try to stave off the onset of that chemical or biological or whatever change and prolong the current appearance and usage of it for as long as possible, or you can just accept it and um, design your product in such a way that those changes never become something that the customer is unhappy with, you know, something that detracts from the appearance or from the usability of it. And I think that that's kind of what I come down to. Like, as a manufacturer, how are you marketing um, your product and taking into account the fact that it will, it will, it will definitely look different over time. I think that's inevitable. Um, and the fact that a lot of products are like the equivalent of fast fashion, you know, they're designed and manufactured in such a way and using techniques which are very innovative and new. Like the good thing is that we get something that's new and, um, Exciting. But the downside to it is that if you're using a technique that's probably not tested, um, that you don't know how it will look over 20, 30 years, then you can't make that guarantee and you can't be sure that your customer will be satisfied with it um, down the line. And I think that's why so many of us are really captivated by the romance of Urushi because it's like ebonite and Urushi, they're materials that have been tried and tested over time over like a century we have expectations of how they will age and we know that they will age but we can make allowances for that because we have that tradition of making pens from them and because of that history and that knowledge the change is no longer a bug it becomes a feature. It becomes something that we can predict and anticipate and we're excited to see. Like when I see the color on my Arushi changing, it's like, yes, I love this. It's changing as I expected and not, you know, as something that wasn't what I bought. Um, I love that. And I'm actually looking forward to wearing down the Arushi on my pen enough that it will change color. I can't wait for that to happen. So, yeah, those are my concluding thoughts on change.
0: Yeah, I think uh, pens are a very personal thing. Uh, In fact, I actually quite like – one of the reasons I like to buy second-hand pens so much is because they have marks of usage. They have a story behind them. And sometimes I – if I'm buying a pen, the the most recent pen I bought was a second-hand um, uh, Caran d'Ache Lehmann, which was beautiful. I've actually been wanting one of those since, like, 2013 – um, it's been like my one consistent grail pen all of these years, and I've never been able to find one for, you know, that's like secondhand for a good price in the colour and nib that I wanted. And my, my first question was like, what's the story of this pen? Who owned it? You know, where's it been? So, yeah, I, I like that. History, age is history. You know, you, Greek statue, ancient Greek statues and all ancient religious relics, they're not valued because they look exactly the same as when they were first chiseled out of marble they've weathered and they've aged and that's part of the beauty of it
1: any final thoughts sharon no we've said it (laughs) you guys have captured it entirely Um, before we sign off do we want to give a recommendation for the week it can be fountain pen related or not fountain pen related sharon can you start us off
2: uh yes so i actually uh, it came up on my youtube recommended um last week which i took it as um as YouTube telling me, sending me a subliminal message. But there is a channel called The Take. And in particular, I'm recommending two um, video essays that they have posted on the Devil Wears Prada. And in particular, they have done one on Miranda Priestley. so the... Um, a defense of the uh, powerful female boss, and then the other one, which they did on Emily. It was a video essay on Emily and a history of the workaholic, and as they're portrayed in Hollywood or in in a film. And I thought these two were really, really interesting. And it was the workaholic one that appeared up on my feed, so I try not to take that as offense. But it was a really interesting analysis into. Um, how the portrayal of workaholics has ebbed and flowed over the years. So back in the 70s, it was a, something to be desired. But then as you get into the 90s, it became, oh, I have to go to my job. And then in the millennial era, we're all about, oh, if my workplace doesn't look like Google, then I'm not going to work there. My workplace does not look like Google, mind you. <laughs> um, so I found these two uh, particular video essays really interesting and uh, really good food for thought for women, uh, professional women in the workplace. Bizarre one from me.
1: Great one. Tav, how about you? Do you have a recommendation for us? I
0: do. And this is another YouTube channel. And this one is called ContraPoints. I'm sure some of our listeners have al- already know who I'm talking about. Um, given the, uh, the recent fame of, of Elliot Page coming out as trans, I feel like some people might be a little confused as, you know, what does trans mean? What is it? What is it like?
1: Why are people so so sensitive? Well, yeah, that's the thing, right?
0: (laughs) You've got a lot of people getting very upset uh, about something that really doesn't concern them at all. So ContraPoints is a, a really wonderful trans woman who does, um, very entertaining, very well-produced very elaborate videos on YouTube. A lot of it is kind of in the form of like a Socratic dialogue, which is very funny. She's very funny, um, very creative, absolutely fabulous. And she she talks, some of it's lighthearted, some of it isn't. There's a lot of things to do with trans issues, but sometimes not to do with trans issues, to do with um, politics, to do with life, to do with aesthetics and fashion and just culture in general. So she, she's got a very diverse range of videos I believe she did something like a master's in philosophy or something like that she did some philosophy or political science degree at uni
1: so when you were selling me this youtube channel you were saying that she's educational and informative but in a like accessible and not preachy way
0: yeah she doesn't come across as the sort of person that's like if you don't understand transgender issues you're a horrible person it's like well you don't understand let me show you. And I, just doing the work. Yeah. Like, personally, I've, I've got a bunch of, of trans and non-binary friends, so I kind of already knew a lot about it. I think she's very entertaining, but I've known a lot of other people that didn't understand this sort of thing. And then when they watched her, they're like, oh, okay, I get it now. There's a lot of misconceptions about it. I think um, if
1: you're, like, from a certain generation and you don't personally know someone, yeah. like, and there's no one in your family who is actually um, non-binary or trans, yeah. then- you're very unlikely to actually seek out that information, but yeah. uh, we encourage you to do that because, yeah. for all you know, there is someone in your yeah. um, family mm. or someone that you are very um, close to who is, you know, hiding yeah. what their uh, truth is. And especially
0: given the, there's been a lot of negative coverage of, of Elliot Page, um, but I mean, I don't, I don't understand why. But I guess the. Um, this is sort of a, a counter to all of the negative coverage of trans people with a light-hearted, sometimes light-hearted, sometimes not, pretty meme-filled and fun-filled journey into what it's... And she she does cover part of her transition journey as well, explains a lot of it. And she's very irreverent too, which is very funny. Um, she's definitely... She, Uh, big on making fun of herself i love her aesthetic i love her style i love the way she makes videos they're very well produced very meticulously done and uh yeah i I think just very entertaining i sometimes just i sometimes just rewatch them because they're so entertaining
1: counterpoint on youtube contra points contra points points. sorry excellent Um, Well, I'm going to go three for three on um, topical (laughs) political issues. So we've got female workaholics, we've got transgender folks in our communities. And the last thing I want to recommend is a podcast that I've been getting into the last couple of months. And so, I listen to quite a few podcasts on the topic of climate change and oh. specifically how um, politics and economics are dealing with climate mm. change and or rather how they're not. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I think there's been a long time running podcast called – ooh, that's run by um, climate scientists, which – oh, gosh, I can't, the name of it escapes me at the moment – But um, I'll put it in the show notes. But this podcast is actually quite depressing because climate scientists are all about, you know, they're like the Cassandras in the room. They're telling us all this bad news and no one's reacting to it. Um, It's a very informative podcast and I recommend it. But as a sort of a remedy, as a counterpoint to that, I think it's called A Warm Regards or something like that. But as a counterpoint to that, I'm recommending a podcast that is called... Um, The podcast is How to Save a Planet and it's from Gimlet Media. It's got these two very friendly hosts. One is a climate scientist, the other is like a professional podcaster, journalist. And they talk about climate from a perspective of actually taking action. Um, So they interview like scientists, but also um, activists and politicians and it's about the science, but it's also about, like, what are we doing? And how can you, as a, just your average Joe, um, what can you do? One of the episodes is, so is it really better for the climate to use an electric car? And um, the answer is yes, by the way. But you should still listen to the episode. But, you know, topics like that. And also there's a recent episode that is about how do you talk to members of your family who are climate deniers? Hopefully, there are less of those in Australia than there are in the US. Um, (laughs) But if you want to know how to strike up that conversation in a way that is actually going to change minds, listen to that episode because they give you some good advice. I think it's an antidote to the feeling of helplessness and um, just the doom and gloom that some of us sometimes feel about climate and the inaction that is taken with regards to climate change mitigation. So, um, that's Sometimes the podcast. Sometimes I feel like it's
0: gone even the other way. Sometimes people are like, oh, what, you want us to do less mining of coal? Let's do more. Yeah, that, that sounds like a <laughs> – so did you say Did you say less or more? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go with more. Let's do – let's mine more coal.
1: Oh, you, you, you mean you actually should stop logging? What do you mean? Let's speed up the logging. <laughs> no,
0: like, you know, the silly trees are taking away all the good carbon dioxide that – that's Yeah, let's just take them away. Yeah. <laughs> we can plant new ones. That's fine.
1: So, I, I recommend this podcast because it's actually quite upbeat and it gives you some concrete actions um, to take. It's how to save a planet. So, this episode goes up, I think, on the 11th of December. So, if you listen to it now, you'll still have a few days left to enter our giveaways if that's what you like to do. So, go on to fountain pens oceania if you're in australia or instagram um at the nib section if you want to participate in our giveaways and um yeah this will be our last episode before our christmas new year's end of year question and answer thank you listeners and thank you sharon and tav for joining me
0: Thank yeah. you for having me.
1: Past and future episodes of this podcast can be found at thenipsection.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hop onto Apple Podcasts, rate us, review us, and recommend us to your friends. Want to share your thoughts, suggestions, feedback? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thenipsection at gmail.com. You can also comment at us on the Nipsection Facebook page or at the Nipsection on Twitter and Instagram. The Nipsection is the official podcast of Fan Pens Oceania. Our producers this episode were Sharon Tsar, beat Sinanian, and Dina Dai. Recording and editing was done by Diana Dye. Our music was composed by Michael Pierce. Our logo was designed by Will H. Smith with artwork by Melissa Graff. Thanks for listening.